I don't care if it's a week, two, four, six, seven, eight. Who do we appreciate? LeBron James. That's who y'all got to start, start appreciating. And you got to stop disrespecting this man. You got AJ Brown, who's a legit number one. And you got Julio, who's a legit number one. One of them dudes got to get double teamed. Who going to get double teamed? And whoever gets double teamed, the other one gets the ball. I'm saying this with no pun intended, with full of pride. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Prideful Takes Podcast. Like always, I'm your boy Pride, and we got a big day ahead of us in terms of the stream. Look, guys, we're going to have some football chit-chat. Always fun. But first and foremost, I need to start with a little bit of NFL news. Oh, I'm sorry. No, we're going to start MLB today. We're going to start MLB today. Let's spice it up a little bit. So the wild card picture is looking very very interesting. Now, in the NL, the Dodgers already clinched, right? So that's taken care of. So now there's only one team in the AL. It's a little more interesting. But first, let's start with the NL. Currently, how the standards are looking right now, obviously the Dodgers have clinched. So they're kind of all set. In position with that second wild card spot is the Cardinals. And then obviously all everyone else who's fighting for it, Padres, Reds, Phillies, and Mets, even though they're a long shot, still considered a shot. Now, who do I think is going to go? Well, honestly... I think everything that's going to happen from here on out is basically going to go based on their schedule. And I, I genuinely feel like whoever has the easier schedule is going to is going to end up end up getting that second wild card spot. Now let's start with with the Cardinals, who currently has it. They currently have that set, that, that that position that everyone else is fighting for. So obviously, like I said, the Dodgers already got their stuff. They're taken care of. They got they're holding it down. The Cardinals right now, 76 and 69. The rest of their games is they got a three-game homestand against the Padres. Then they got a four-game road trip at Milwaukee. Then after that road trip, they got another four-game road trip at Chicago. Then they come back home to have a four-game home, uh, three-game homestands against the Brewers, and then another three games against Chicago. So in terms of how they're looking. They're looking pretty solid. I mean, the Brewers, obviously, it, it will be a tough one. But they're playing Chicago, who basically gave up. They gave up in terms of just not just a season. And in the next four or five seasons, they essentially have given up. And they're basically now going to try to redesign, rebuild, and reclaim their entire organization. So they're even though it's not the best schedule, it's not the worst, and they could work with it. They really can, as long as they don't choke anything out and flame out, which I don't think they will. I think they'll be in a position where they can handle it. I think they might be able to, but again, I'm not. I'm not gonna let y'all know who I think is gonna be until the end. So just bear with me. But team number two, the Padres, who frankly has been considered somewhat of a disappointment. Everyone thought they were going to be with the Dodgers in contention to win the division. And it's looking like they might not be able to even get a wild card spot. So how is it looking for them? So they have a three-game uh, road trip at St. Louis. After that, they go back to San Diego to host the San Francisco Giants for three games. Then after that series, they host a, the Atlanta Braves for three games. Then after that, they go to the Dodgers to play them for three games. 
then at San Francisco to play them for three games. So the last few games they have is against teams, frankly, they can't beat. They struggled against the, the Giants, and they struggled against the Dodgers. So in order for them to get that spot, they now need to be able to overcome the demons that have been plaguing them all year. That being in their own division, the Giants and the Dodgers. It's going to be interesting to see whether or not they can overcome it. Because it's the whole team from top to bottom, has most, most importantly their pitching, has, under, has underperformed grossly. Blake Snell was supposed to be their ace, and he he's had a down year. Injuries have been plaguing this team, and they just can't they can't catch a break. They really can't. So, if I'm if look if I'm the Padres, I call this season a wash. I would honestly just say whatever. It is what it is. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna run it back with what we got, but we're gonna need to figure out why all of a sudden our pitching was is, is becoming abysmal. Because we have, they have, they have solid pitchers. You Darvish is not a scrub, but for some reason he can't. He just hasn't been able to translate it. Same thing with Joe Musgrove. He's not a scrub. Now a lot of people have been saying that it has to do with the ban on foreign substances, which it could be. It could be. It could be that these guys have been relying on foreign substances, and that's why now they look like they're getting exposed. It, it, you could make that argument. But in terms of these guys uh, of the Padres, it's a it's a it's an uphill battle and it's going to be tough. And honestly, of, of all the schedules, the Padres might have the, the hardest, if not at least one of them. But the next team was in contention: Joey Votto's Cincinnati Reds. So they have a three-game homestand coming up against the Dodgers. After that, they host Pittsburgh for three games. Then they host Washington for four games. Then after that, they go to Chicago to play the White Sox for two games. Then they go to Pittsburgh to wrap up their season with a three-game away trip at Pittsburgh. So a relatively easier schedule compared to the other ones that we've seen. They're playing Pittsburgh six times. Then they're playing Washington four times. So ten of their final games are against teams that, frankly – they should beat. They should beat these guys. Now, the Dodgers, that's going to be – if they go one and two against the Dodgers, I wouldn't be too – I wouldn't be mad. As long as they don't get swept and try to split with Chicago, that might give them a legitimate chance. Maybe, but also they do got to handle their business against the Nationals and also against Pittsburgh. Because of all of them, they got six games with Pittsburgh. Six games with Pittsburgh. As long as they're as they handle their business, they could be okay. Then, then we got the Philadelphia Phillies. By the way, might I add, Bryce Harper has inserted himself into the MVP conversation, which surprise, surprise, nobody really thought much of Philly. But how what are they working with? Well, they're going to New York to play the Mets three games. After that, they're going to Baltimore and playing the Orioles. That's a three-game homestand they have with them. After that, they stay home and they host the Pittsburgh Pirates for four games. Then it's a three-game road trip to Atlanta. And then after that, they end the season with a three-game road trip in at Miami playing the Marlins. One of the easiest schedules we have here. The Mets are obviously down bad. Um, they don't have Jacob deGrom and Noah Syndergaard. The pitching has been crazy. The bats have been inconsistent at best. 
Um, they should have been better this year, but for some reason they just they haven't been. They haven't, and I you can say it has something to do with the injuries, which is true, but also Javier Baez when he came. There were a couple at-bats he had that was weird. And then Francisco Lindor having a very slow start to the season definitely did not help anything at all. So, But the Phillies right now, you have an MVP, a man in the MVP conversation now in Bryce Harper, arguably one of the best catchers in all of baseball in JT Realmuto. This team should be better than what they are. They're not, but they still have an opportunity to sneak in and get the wild card spot. They really do. As long as they handle their business – they are going to need a little bit of help, but not really that much considering if you really look at it, they're, they're only, if I'm not mistaken, I believe they're three games, two and a half. So they're two and a half games back from that final wildcard spot. And then everybody is like, the, um, they're all within two and a half except for the final team. I'm talking about they're five. But other than that, like the San Diego, Cincinnati, and Phillies are all really in contention. So they all still, in a way, kind of control their own destiny, so to um, a little bit. But here comes the Mets, who not only do they need to handle their business, they need to hope and pray that everybody else around them collapses. They need to make sure everybody else around them collapses in order for them to be able to be confident and get into the wild card spot. So this is the, the rest of their season coming up, which it, it, it's interesting. It's interesting. So – Three-game homestand against the Phillies, which, again, is a team they need to get through. If they sweep the Phillies, they'll have they'll be confident. They'll have a little bit of confidence in their back pocket. Then they got a two-game. Then they go to Fenway to play Boston for two games. After that, they go to Milwaukee and play the Brewers for three games. Then they come back home, and they host the Miami Marlins for four games. And after that, they go to Atlanta to play the Braves for three games. My concern is I don't know if they could beat Philly. I don't know if they could beat Boston. Milwaukee will probably put pause on them. The only team of, of the, on their remaining schedule that I can look and go, they better beat them, is Miami. Everybody else, I don't see. For instance, Boston, their best outcome could be a split. When it comes to, excuse me, when it comes to Philadelphia, I don't see them winning that game, I, that, that series. I, they might steal a game, but again, when you need to beat Philly, it, you know what I mean? Like that's a yeah, that's that should be a team. Like this team right here, the Mets have been kind of plagued with injuries, and that's kind of a, like the main reason. But like I said before, Francisco Lindor, who was their 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 great guy, the guy that they were hyping up. Which again, when I when I saw that pick that pickup. I loved it. I like it. I'm a fan of Francisco Lindor. His entire thing of I'm not char, I'm not trash, but I'm gonna make you think I am, is was just absurd. It was wild. It was over time. I just don't. It, it's it's disappointing. Obviously, who do I think is gonna take the NL? I'm eliminating my uh, the Mets right off the bat. When you're in a position where you need to cater your business. And hope and pray that not one, not two, but three or more put more teams kind of just start because they need to hope that the Cardinals fall off. Then they need to hope the Padres fall off. Then after that, 
they need to hope that the Reds fall off as well and the Phillies fall off. They need they need all these teams to fall off. So that way, and they need to handle their business. So by default, I'm going to eliminate them. To, for me, it really came down to two teams. It came down to, and again, I'm going to eliminate the, the, the Padres. No disrespect to them. None at all. But at the same time, they need to go through the teams that they can't beat. And when you're in that position, it's tough. It really, it, it, it really is tough for them. The St. Louis Cardinals, I do like their schedule. I do because San Diego, which could be a toss-up. Milwaukee, I do like that. But if I have to pick a team, I'm genuinely torn between the Reds and the Phillies. They both have easier schedules, like stupidly easy schedules. But I'm going to go with the Phillies only because they have the best player of all these guys remaining. They got Bryce Harper. Their team is not, like, again, this is not a garbage team. And on top of that, on top of that, you can make a case that the most in between their 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 homestand because they basically start home, go um they start away, go home um come back home in the middle and then the end they go away. I I have a gut feeling that this team will be able to go and handle their business. And again, the teams that they're away at are not really good. Again, you got away at Mets and then you got away at Miami. You also have a way at Atlanta, but if they, if they, you know what I mean, one and two there, that's a three-game homestand. Let's say, let's say they get swept for for Hahas. Let's say they get swept. I mean, you, they still have a lot of other teams that they can basically beat up and get fat off of. So if they do get swept by Atlanta, it won't be too bad. So for the NL, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Phillies. Um, Cincinnati is a close second, but I really feel like with the schedule. I feel like that puts Philly in the driver's seat to because, like I said, all the all, all the teams have for the Mets. It's they're all within two and a half. So and we still have a few weeks of the season. So it's not like it's over. You know what I mean? It's not like oh man, we're, we're kind of got us. You know, should it? No, like these guys are still in contention. So I have absolute. You know, I I genuinely believe they'll be all right. But now switching over to the AL, this one was funny. We're gonna start off. Obviously, with the Blue Jays. Um, current standings right now, it's a three-team race. The Blue Jays and Red Sox are technically tied, so they have the one and two. And then the Yankees, they're third. And so they're kind of playing from behind in a way. But at the same time, it's not its not ridiculous. Um, and they're all they're all close um, with all within two games. So, again, anything can really happen. Let's start with Toronto, how how the rest of their season is looking. So they got a three-game homestand against Minnesota. After that, they go to Tampa, which that's going to be tough. A three-game road trip at Tampa. After that, they go to Minnesota to play the Twins four games in a row. After that, they host the Yankees for three games. Then they host the uh, Baltimore Orioles for three games right after that. A lot, a lot, a lot of uh, interdivisional games. Um... If they could, if they could, I, I believe they'll be fine against Minnesota. The crucial one is going to be the Yankees. 
if they can keep if they could keep it together and they could beat the Yankees again, they're, they're two spots open. So in terms of in terms of the Blue Jays and same thing with Boston, you don't really need to go buck wild. You just need to make sure we don't lose. You know, we need to make sure if we go five hundred, it is what it is. If we play the Yankees, we need to make sure that the Yankees do not beat us. If 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 we have a three game, if we got a three game trip, I want to sweep. I want to sweep. I don't want no two one or if it's a five get it's five. But if we play in hundred games, I need to win hundred and one. That's the mentality these guys need to have because if they don't, they'll start shooting themselves in the foot. Speaking of shooting themselves in the foot, the greatest organization to ever grace God's green earth, raised in the greatest state, Massachusetts, which also happens to have the best sports city, Boston. Look, look at that we do. The Boston Red Sox. I'm not, I'm not even going to drool over these guys right now. They have, by the way, Chris Hill's coming back. The GOAT. I don't care what anybody says. At me. They got three-game homestands against Baltimore. After that, two-game homestands against the Mets. It's going to be a crucial one right here. Three-game homestand against the Yankees. That's going to be crucial. After that, they're away at Baltimore for three games and away at Washington for three more games. Again, same exact thing I said about Toronto. You need to make sure you handle your business against the Yankees. If you do not, you're going to put yourself in a position where if you not have to beat everybody else. What do I mean by that? If you handle your business, like I said, if you handle your business against the Yankees, sweep them, and then go 500 the rest of the way, you're still in the driver's seat. You're still fine. Because now you're putting the ball in their court for them to get turned. Because remember, the Yankees right now are behind. Now, if if you don't handle your business, that could potentially change real quick. That potentially can change. And especially since you guys, everyone's still fighting for the wild card spot, you, you need to beat the people who are trying to take that spot from you. Which is why I'm saying that both Boston and the Blue Jays, they need to make sure they handle their business against the worst organization to ever grace God's green earth in the dirtiest city in the history of modern America. Matter of fact, all time America, which uh, which is a great introduction, great segue to the Yankees. I despise them with great intensity. By the way, if you guys don't realize this, I do not like the Yankees. I despise them with great intensity. If the Boston Red Sox are not playing, I will watch the Yankees game to make sure they lose. So I just want to throw that out there. So they have a three-game home stand against Cleveland, two game, uh, three-game home stand right to that. Against the Rangers, three games at Boston, three games at Toronto, then three games at home against Tampa. That's tough. But right now, in terms of in, in interdimension, uh, in, interdimension, in terms of uh, interdivisional, the Yankees struggle. They got a sub-500 record against Boston. I think they had the same against Toronto, and they definitely had the same thing against the Rays, which ironically is who they're facing at the end. Kind of the same thing with the Padres. You now have to beat and go through the teams that, frankly, you've been having trouble against. So now, again, I do I expect them to beat uh, Texas. I, I, don't expect, I don't expect anything. The two games against Texas, 
I consider both those wins. I think Cleveland, believe it or not, I think they will go two and one. I genuinely believe, uh, though. I, I be, if I got to save, I have to pick one. I'll pick the first game. Uh, I believe they have Corey Kluber pitching the first game, so I'll I'll have them drop that. They'll win the second one. I believe the third game, Garrett Cole is pitching. I think Gil, um, the young guy, he's pitching um, game number two. So I think they'll be all right with those. Again, like I said about Toronto, like I said about Boston, New York needs to come out and they need to again. I'm not look. They need to end the season sweeping Boston, sweeping Toronto, and then with the Tampa, if they go 2-1, fine. They cannot lose a series against any one of these teams because if they end up doing that, they're now putting themselves in a position where they might not be able to come back. With all that being said, based on the schedules alone, I'm going Red Sox and Blue Jays to take to take the wild card spots. I just don't think the Yankees right now are trying to like a last minute, like a last second push, even when they're struggling. And again, the if if they were beating, if the end of their schedule, instead of them playing Boston and Toronto and the in Tampa, if they had one series against Tampa and then played Pittsburgh, um, um, um the Marlins, uh, Colorado, if they were playing teams like that. I wouldn't have an issue. I would say they have a chance. But the fact that, frankly, the last part of their schedule is – or the last part of this part of their schedule, that, that last half with Boston, Toronto, and Tampa, I just don't – I don't see them coming back from that. So I'm 110%. I'm, again, not to be rude. Again, I'm not a Yankees fan at all. I, I probably – I am proud of that. But, 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 but. I'm also being legit. I'm being logical. I just don't – I don't see it. I don't I don't see it. I think these guys um, – and when I say these guys, I mean Boston and Toronto. I think they're good enough. Right now they're in a comfortable position, and I think they're with their easier schedules, I think they'll be able to overcome and make sure they hold down their, uh, their respective spots. So. But for baseball, we're going to go with some NFL – Marcellus Wiley dropped his top 10 all-time receivers. Now, before I show you his list, because I actually have it, I have his list. Before I show you that, when I ask you who's top 10, think. Who do you think of? Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Joe Montana, Walter Payton, Jim Brown, Emmitt Smith. Jerry Rice. I mean, these are some high names of, of, frankly, players who are great. Some great players. Ladies and gentlemen, this is why I can't watch television. This is his all-time top 10 NFL players. For those of you who are listening, I'm going to read it off to you. At number one, Barry Sanders. At number two, Deion Sanders. Number three, Bruce Smith. Number four, Junior Saul. Number five, John Randall. Number six, Terrell Owens. Number seven, Patrick Williams. Number eight, Dan Marino. Number nine, Ladanian Tomlinson. And number 10, Aaron Donald. This would not be my top 10 if these were the only 10 players in the history of the NFL. Why Junior is at number four tells me that the only reason Marcellus put him up there 
is because he played with him in San Diego. Same thing with Damian Thomas. Look, I respect Tomlinson. You're not going to sit here and tell me he's better than Emmitt Smith. And you're not, you're not going to sit there and tell me that. You're not going to sit there and tell me he's better than Eric Dickerson. You're not going to tell me that. If you're going to tell me that, guess what? Don't talk football. Football is not your thing. Don't talk it. How we got T.O. in here and we still looking for Jerry Rice as a travesty. Dan Marino can be in here, yet somehow I'm not even going to go Tom Brady. Peyton Manning can't be on this list. We will put Dan Marino, yet Joe Montana sitting at home. We got Patrick Willis in here, and Ray Lewis is chilling, walking his dog. We got Aaron Donald in here. Yet LT is not mentioned. At what point do we stop giving randoms jobs? At what point do we stop giving randoms jobs? At what point? If if I'm and I'm 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 trying not to be mean. I'm really not because I understand, you know, everyone's, you know. Everyone has a right to their opinion. But when Lawrence Taylor is not on your top 10, you lose credibility. I, I think Reggie White is, frankly, one of the most disrespectful players in the history of the NFL. That's just me. I, I just I, it's, it's insane to me how, it, how, how he's not here. Walter Payton is ignored. Barry Sanders at one. It, that, that's crazy. The only thing here I'm looking at, and I'm like, I have no issue with, putting Deion Sanders at two. I'm not bugging about that. I'm not bugging about that. Not at all. I I, I ain't going to go crazy. Not going to go crazy at all. But how are you going to sit here with a straight face, look at me in my eye, and tell me, and tell me, and again, if, if anybody here disagrees with me, let me know. Let me know. There's no way you're going to sit here and tell me in any way, shape, or form, any way, shape, or form, that Patrick Willis deserves to be here. Ain't no way. Ain't no way. Ain't no way. Ain't no way. Mm-mm. Like I said, Reggie White. Nope. We got Junior here. We got Bruce Smith in here. At some point, we need to really question who we got on TV and who we listening to. That list flew completely under my radar. I said, I don't really watch TV like that. I was on Twitter and I saw that. And I was like, ain't no way this is real. I'm like, ain't no way this is real. Marcus, Marcus Wiley retweeted it and was like, oh, yep, yep, I said what I said and I meant it. Look, man, I said what I said and I meant it, bro. You deserve to be fired. Point blank, period. You're not going to sit here and tell me. And again, again, Patrick Willis, yeah, LT, 
Ray Lewis, Troy Polamalu, Ed Reed. These are just some of the defensive players that, that are better. Darrell Rivas. A contention for the greatest corner of all time. Darrell Rivas is in that conversation. Now, I personally think it's Dion. That's just me. But Darrell Rivas is in the conversation. Look, man, when they, when, they, when they basically say, oh, yo, bro, they give you a nickname for your side of the field, talking about Rivas Island, you know you're special. You know you're special. But hey, you ain't going to say it until we talk about Patrick, Patrick Willis. Patrick Willis. Patrick Willis. I mean, going, what you talking about, Willis? Because ain't no way you're going to put him on there. And then there's other guys you basically straight up ignoring. We we need we need to figure out who we need to find out who spiked this drink. I'm just putting the one out out there, man. Because frankly, ain't no way on God's green earth we gonna sit here and say, that I'm, "Look at this! Look, look at this list one more time! One more time! One more time!" And you can't tell me I'm bugging. You can't tell me I'm bugging. Ladanian Tomlinson is not. He's he, he. If you go by this list, he's the second best running back. No, he's not. He's not. No disrespect to him, bro. But I'm looking at guys like Eric Dickerson. I'm looking at guys like Walter Payton, Jim Brown. Emmis, how are you going to put him there? I, I just don't get it. And then Dan Marino, and, and then you're going to put Dan Marino here. And again, I'm not even going to mention Tom Brady. I'm not going to mention because obviously he's the greatest quarterback to ever greatest guy's being earth. If you disagree, you just don't like him. That's all it comes down to. But Dan Marino, where's Joe Montana? I'm still looking. Where's Joe Montana? I don't, I, 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 I don't, I don't understand this list. I really don't. It's just we, we need to sit down and figure out who we got on TV and why we got them on TV. But I'm about to stop because I'm about to get myself. I'm about to get myself. I already got high blood pressure. I'm not, I'm, I ain't, ain't going to kill myself this man. I'm not going to do it. NBA, we're still in the offseason. We still got time. So I believe there are certain people on certain teams that shouldn't be there anymore. One of them is being Kristaps Porzingis in Dallas. I wanted to stay, but at this point, it should go. And then Carl Anthony Towns in Minnesota. I believe at this point, they're wasting him. They're wasting his potential. They're wasting his, his career. But if they were to go, where should they go? What should be the top destinations for each player? Let's start with Kristaps. Let's, let's, let's start with that bad boy. I believe he should go to a place where his three-point shooting can help them space the floor, but but also where being a big man, they need that, right? But not really on the defensive end, more on the offensive end. Take a trip with me. Take a trip with me. Number one, I think the Clippers should give him a call. I think they should call Dallas and try to figure something out. I love Zubac. I have no, no disrespect to him, but... Zubac is one of those players where if you have him as a starter, you're okay. You can upgrade. 
Hundred percent. And you gonna tell me Chris? Chris you gonna tell me Zubac is better than Chris Stapps? If you telling me that, you are out your mind. Smoking and whatever you smoking, let me get some of that because I want to be as delusional. I want to be as delusional as Marcus Wiley when he made that top ten. That type of delusion I'm trying to be on. Chris Stapps needs to go to a place where he can help them out, spread the floor, be a big man, get some boards. The Clippers could use that. They really could have Chris Stapps be your starter and have Zubac come off the bench. I think that'll be a nice one-two punch. I really do. I enjoy that. Where else should he go? I think also the Boston Celtics. Is that Celtic? Celtics should go for him as well. Um, it'll be a little iffy, but at the same time, we kind of do need some size in there. So I do think Kristaps being there would not be a bad idea. And this last one's gonna be sound a little weird, but Brooklyn. We just put him in there as the big man. I mean. Again, he's solid defensively, solid getting boards. And again, you have a big guy who, you know, if you put him in the beef, you know what I mean? You got a guy like James Harden who will tell him, yo, get in the paint. I feel like Chris Evans will listen. Why would he listen? Because James Harden will give him the rock. He'll give him the rock in the paint. So I, I think those three places, I think those would be his best chances if he wants to get out of Dallas, even though I may. I I on I'm on record saying this. I don't want him to leave. I think him and Luca have the potential to be a great one-two punch. I think they could be great together. I just think right now there's a little bit of miscommunication. I think there's a little bit of miscommunication with them. And I feel like if they were to sit down, have a conversation with each other, they'll be able to sit and be like, okay, you know, Luca will be like, okay, look, get in the paint. Let's, you know, let's figure this out. Get in the paint. However, I think right now where Chris Epps is at mentally, I think he kind of just doesn't care. He's like, look, man, I'm, if it took y'all this long to come up to me and holler at me, I'm going to have to go. And to that point, I understand. So, you know, again, if, if I'm Chris Epps, I would sit down and be like, okay, let's see what's going on. Let's see how we can make this work. If you don't want to, those are three teams you should go to. Now, Carl Anthony Towns. This one is different for me. And the reason it's a little different is because I, I love I love Cat. I really do. I think he's wasted his career staying in Minnesota. I feel bad for him. Where should he go? First and foremost, believe it or not, I'd say Golden State. If you can get Golden State to give up James Weissman in a package like that, and you basically upgrading them, they're because look, they're already in contention. Now imagine having one of the best bigs in the league holding down the middle. He can shoot. He can shoot the three relatively well, right? Also, for a big man, he's a good passer. He's got nice vision. Now, I'm not going to come out and portray him like a Nikola Jokic. I'm not going to do that. But he's solid enough where if you put him in there and he sees the double team, there's been plenty of plays. I understand nobody really watches Tim Boyd's basketball. I get it. I understand. But if you really watch it, I know it's painful, but if you really watch it, there are a couple plays a game he does where you're like, nice vision. Okay, good pass. Like, he's, he's like that. And I feel like in a place where Golden State where they don't mind passing the ball. They like the ball. They love the ball movement. They love that. I feel like that would be a good place for him. Another place he should consider. Maybe this was a stretch, but also I do think Boston should try to get him. Again, in terms of Boston, and I'm a Boston fan, Boston Celtics. 
I love him. You cut me right now, bro. A leprechaun gonna come out and start dancing. Like that's how deep I am. And the problem we've had lately, we have no big man. If we really think about it, ever since Kevin Garnett left, we've never had a solid big man fill the role of we're holding the paint down defensively. We're not letting it. Go. Not only defensively, but on top of the boards too. We we get crushed on the boards. We get crushed. We get crushed bad. We get crushed bad. So. I feel like if you put Carl Anthony Towns in there, it'll help us out a little bit. And then another team that, shoot, frankly, I, I honestly, I think they should do this if they really want to keep Damian Lillard, Portland Trailblazers. If they were to do that, not only do you have, again, solid defender in the paint, but on top of that, if you can keep CJ McCollum, that's a nice big three you have there. You got a solid big three, CJ McCollum, McCollum, Damon Lillard, and Carl Anthony Towns. I I, I would like that big three. I really would. I, I have nothing. I, I I would enjoy it. I I would. I think that'd be a great move for Portland because the problem with Portland the last few years, they've kind of been they they plateaued. They they can't really get any better. They really with well, the players they have now, they can't get better. They are what they are, and. They need to spice it up. They need to do something. And I feel like if you were to incorporate Carl Anthony Towns, again, another guy who can give you 20 and 10. You got a big man who can give you 20 and 10. You still got Damian Lillard, a premier point guard, and CJ McCollum, he ain't no slouch either. He ain't no slouch. He's definitely a guy who can hold his own. He could do his thing. So 100%, those would be, be where I would go if I'm Carl Anthony Towns. Um in terms of like the teams, they I think they'll be good packages because you really think about it, like Portland does have some assets that they're willing to part with. I, I think so. So, you know, it'll 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 be interesting to see how they go. Um, the whole uh, Chris has Porzingis issue that's going to continue to unravel. So we'll wait and see what happens, where they go from here, all that stuff. In terms of Cat, I think right now he's in the point of his career. He's kind of just like, look, man, I'm here. It is what it is. Let me just get my cheddar and. If he wants to win, he, he's gonna. If, if he wants to win, he's gonna have to leave Memphis. He's gonna have to. He's gonna have to leave the the Timberwolves, and there's just no, there's just no other way around it. But I'm gonna wrap it up, guys. Appreciate it. Appreciate you guys spending some time with me. Follow us on Twitter at Prideful Takes. Look, I'll be putting up stuff like when I be watching the NFL game. I'll be on Twitter all day, literally just making making comments. And when I say comments, I'm talking about sarcastic remarks. I. I Last night when I was watching the, the football game, it was Giants and, and Washington. I was thinking to myself, it's crazy because every single throw they do looks extremely dangerous. Daniel Jones is a check down and not clenching. I'm like, oh, there's a pick. Like, you know, so, you know, I'll be there on Twitter. Catch us on Facebook at Prideful Takes. We go live on Facebook. And we also, we also post up memes, news, all that good stuff. We're also on YouTube. After every live stream, it immediately goes on YouTube. That way you guys can see it all there. Catch us on our website, www.prifletakes.com. We have original articles, and every single episode of the show is there. And if you don't want to see my face, because trust me, I have a mirror. I know how tough it is to, you know, you know. Please, Spotify. Check us out on Spotify, the Prideful Takes podcast. Every single episode is up there. Every time I finish this, I put goes right to Spotify. It's been real. I appreciate you guys spending some time with me. As always, it's your boy Pride.
Appreciate you guys spending some time with me, and I'll see you guys all real soon. Where that was going. That was a great read. Ooh, Lillard from the logo. That'll quiet the two on the season. Second and one for the Bills. They handle the rush. Allen looking. It's down. Two to Shohei Otani. Center field. Let's watch it go. Did several of those inside low kicks. Oh.